Hey, this is Rex from Kill Devil Hill, Pantera. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Crank it. This is Tony from Battlecross, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. This is Gary Holt from Exodus, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Michael from Forearm, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. This is Mark Zavon of Kill Devil Hill, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hello and welcome to episode 222 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In episode 222, we've got two very special guests for you. From the band Kill Devil Hill, we've got guitarist Mark Zavon, and from the band Forearm, we've got drummer Michael Vafiotis. Kill Devil Hill features former Pantera bassist Rex Brown, Vinnie Apice, formerly of Dio and Black Sabbath on drums, Mark Zavon on guitars, and Dewey Bragg on vocals. This past October, they released their second album entitled Revolution Rise. Aaron caught up with Mark to talk about all things Kill Devil Hill. Before we get to that, though, here from their latest album is a track, Endless Static. gentlemen i have on the show tonight kill devil hill guitarist uh, mark zavon how you doing mark i'm doing great hey thanks for being here tonight i know you guys got a lot of things going on with your second record out now absolutely yeah it just came out tuesday and we're out here touring to promote it we're in phoenix tonight and uh looking forward to staying out here for quite a while i think this run's only about four weeks long but uh, we're gonna take a break for the holidays and get right back after it Nice, nice. So for um, for our listeners who are not familiar with your band, um, could you tell us a little bit, give us a little bit of background? Well, we got Vinny Apice of Black Sabbath and Dio playing drums. We got Rex Brown from Pantera playing bass. And, of course, me on guitar and my buddy Dewey Bragg, uh, who sang for briefly for Pissing Razors on vocals. And, uh, yeah, just the four of us doing what we do best, you know, making music. Nice. Now, how did you guys all get together? Well, Vinny uh, was looking to put something together because he was going to be out of commission with shoulder surgery. And uh, he had recorded, I think, 12 tracks for download purposes. And uh, so he put the word out with some people in L.A., friends, you know, turned out to be mutual friends, uh, that he was looking for a guitar player. He was looking to put something together. And so uh, a friend of mine threw my name in the hat, and I wound up running into Vinny, and we got together and started working on these songs. And 
found that it really clicked. And he asked me if I knew a singer. And uh, Dewey and I had worked together on a previous project that never actually saw the light of day. But I remembered Dewey, and I thought his voice would be really well suited to the style of music we were doing. So I called Dewey up, and he came over, and uh, and then he loved his voice and started working with him. And then initially it was Jimmy Bain playing bass with us, but things didn't work out with Jimmy, and so we started auditioning bass players. And we tried a few guys and never really found the right vibe. But uh, But through another mutual friend, we uh, we wound up getting a hold of Rex and sending him some demos, which he played on kind of long distance from Texas. Sent him back, and we were like, oh, my God, that's the guy, you know, and so the, the lineup was complete. Cool, cool, cool. So speaking of vibe, like, you guys have quite a groove to your sound, but you're still very heavy. So I, I guess can you talk about the writing process a little bit? Like, how do these songs come together? Well, they're all different. Two of the songs on the new record were actually songs that were written for the first record, and we just ran out of space. But uh, but every song is a little bit different. Some of them, you know, I'll demo up at my house, and then we'll jam on them at rehearsal. Or sometimes, you know, Rex has a riff that he'll bring in, or Vinny's got some some drum stuff. Like I said, he had those drum. The two of the songs, "Stained Glass Sadness" and "Wake Up the Dead" on our new record, were built off of drum beds that he did without any music, and then. Basically, I wrote the chord progressions to that stuff. So, you know, it, it depends. You know, every every song's a little bit different. You know, Dewey puts his, you know, writes a lot of the melodies, and he'll write lyrics. I'll write lyrics. You know, we all kind of throw our, our, you know, spice in the chili, so to speak. Well, and speaking of Dewey's melodies, one of the things I really liked with the tracks I've been listening to is it's heavy, it's got a groove, but I can actually understand the vocals and hear a melody. So, yeah. That's awesome. I, I always I like that a lot. I grew up on that kind of melodic melodic rock, you know what I mean? Like and I love the aggressive stuff too, but sometimes in large doses it wears me down. So I like the I like the addition of melody, you know what I mean, and kind of splitting the difference between the two so you got somewhere to go. Kind of like a dynamic range, you know what I mean? You can't stand on the accelerator pedal all day long, you know what I mean? You gotta <laughs> hit the brakes once in a while. Well absolutely, you know, and, and I mean that melody and heavy rock is like a lost art. I feel like it, it died in the 90s, um, <clears throat> like after like Maiden would have put out maybe Seventh Son. Like so shortly after there, I feel, I feel like Melody went away and then you had much more growls, which I, which again, like, like you said, I love the growls. I love that extreme vocal sound. But at the same time, I do miss melodic vocals. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. And, you know, we're, we're just trying to do you know, what comes naturally for us. I mean, we're all kind of fans of that style of music, and so it comes through when we start writing. You know, we're not trying to sound like anything or be like anybody. We're just doing, you know, what comes naturally to us and, what you know, what we like. So that's the way it comes out, and grateful that people dig it. Well, absolutely. And so um, who who were some of your influences growing up as a guitar player? Uh, Well, man, it's just anybody good, you know, like I... When I first started out, I started out listening to the Beatles and then got into, you know, other bands, you know, like the the Who and got into all kinds of stuff, you know, and, but I was a child of the eighties, you know, I grew up really my teenage years in the eighties. So all that eighties, hard rock, learning all the rat stuff, you know, and yep. Motley Crue and all of that. And then, uh, later on, I started going back to check out the influences of my influences, you know what I mean? The guys that influenced them. And, yeah and got all into Led Zeppelin and Sabbath and all the stuff that I missed because I was kind of, it was a little bit before my time. I didn't have like an older sibling to turn me on to that stuff. And so I, uh, I had to go back and kind of, you know, not rediscover it, but discover it for the first time, you know, even though it was older. 
And uh, so, yeah, a lot of, I mean, I love Zach. I love Dime. You know what I mean? I love Eddie Van Halen. Randy Rhodes is probably number one. I don't know. I mean, like, as far as guys that I've listened to and admired and tried to learn every lick here and there, you know, when I was growing up, learning them wrong over and over, you know. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, you know, even, like, in the 90s, you know, there was all that uh, Joe Satriani and Steve Vai and those guys, you know. I mean, there's a whole... And that whole Varney, you know, like, Shrapnel Records uh, area. I mean, there's all all the Racer X and Richie Cotton and Tony McAlpine and all those guys. Amazing players. I mean, and then, you know, you step outside of that, and now I listen to guys like Brad Paisley, you know, and the guy is just a phenomenal guitar player. It's unbelievable what the guy does with the guitar, much less songwriting. So, you know, it's it comes in all shapes and sizes. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And um, I, I love the fact that you... He brought in all those guitar players and Brad Paisley because he's a guy, I mean, is a metal guy. I definitely do not listen to a lot of country, but he's somebody I have so much respect for. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. He's a musician's musician, man. You know, he's really got respect for the art form, and that goes a long way instead of, you know, I don't know. In today's world, sometimes it seems like people are just trying to cash in on that pop dollar. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at the core of the songwriting, there's, you know, there's beauty there, you know, and the people that care about it the most shine through. I agree. I can't, I couldn't agree more. So I, I'm kind of curious because you mentioned with your influences going back and then checking out the influences, influences. So Sabbath in particular, I remember listening to in my teen years, because again, I, I grew up, I was a teen in the eighties as well. And I listened to a lot of Maiden, a lot of Metallica, a lot of Kiss, that sort of stuff. And everyone always told me Black Sabbath this is where it started. This is where it started. And it wasn't until recently for me that I started to get that. So, like, when you were going back and discovering Black Sabbath, like, did you hear it the first time go, ah, I don't see what the big deal is. Like, these guys are doing it. Or, or did you get it right away? No, I, I, I didn't get it right away. And the same was true with, like, Hendrix. You know, because you hear, like, when I was younger, you know, you, you want everything to be perfectly in tune and played perfectly precisely. And yeah. sometimes you overlook the, the greatness of something just because it was perhaps a little out of tune or played a little sloppy. But... The vibe was amazing, you know what I mean? The core of what they were doing was phenomenal. So you kind of, you know, over. it's easy to overlook that when you're younger and you don't really see the big picture. It's like not seeing the forest for the trees, you know? Yep. But, uh, but yeah, it, it took me a while to really understand, you know, how the depth of those riffs, you know, like into the void, you know what I mean? Or, you know, Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. I mean, some of, those, some of that stuff is just unbelievable. You know, yeah. even now it gives me chills when I hear it. I, I'm and so with back you. Back then I just didn't get it. Yeah, you know, me, me neither. And it's it's funny because like with um, like even something like War Pigs. I mean, how many times was that on the radio? How many times do we hear that? And I'm just going, I'm like, man, I just don't get it. Like, why is this such a big deal? And then finally one day I sat down and I put into perspective. Okay, this came out in I guess what '71, I think. And I started looking at the the pop charts and and what was popular and what was going on in music at that time. And that's when it hit me. Right. You know. It's like that's where I'm like, oh, this this is really where it all starts from. Yeah, that's true. Gave birth to metal, basically. It's ironic that that the detuning thing came from a necessity due to an injury. Yeah, I mean that story is just—it's an unbelievable story, man, and really changed the tone of music, you know, in a way that perhaps wasn't. They, I wonder if they even expected, you know, but certainly got darker and heavier and went to a whole new place. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So hey, what's your uh, what's your live guitar rig like? My what? Hey, what's your live guitar rig like? 
Uh, was... Right now, I've got uh, some Engel stuff out that's just absolutely killer. I mean, it's it's uh, I've got three stacks worth of, of some of their best stuff. It's two Invader heads and a special edition head and, uh, you know, a bunch of cabinets. And they, it sounds amazing. Those things, they're, they're like MIDI switchable, so they talk to each other. And there's a whole bunch of different channels, and they all switch together and do their thing. It's just it took me a while to figure it out, actually, when I first got the stuff from them. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I trying to fly the space shuttle over here? But uh, the stuff is actually sounding amazing. You know, I've gotten some great compliments from people out in the crowd, and our sound man's real happy with it. So, you know, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, and you got to keep the sound man happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I don't want him turning me down. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so what is it that, uh, that you like about the angle? Uh, um, well, there's a cool, creamy mid-range that they have that, that I really like. And uh, the clean sounds are amazing out of those heads as well. Plus the versatility. The thing is that you can program a bunch of the dip switches on the front. So there's a whole gang of switches that are basically MIDI programmable. So when you get a channel set up to the way you like it, you know, with the bright switches and the depth punch switches and all the contour all that stuff right yeah you can program that to stick with that channel so every time you go to that channel all those switches turn on or off accordingly and so it's really it's handy you know what i mean you can really customize and tailor the tone to your own particular voice that's pretty killer so is it like a digital analog kind of hybrid head because i'm going to guess it's still tube right oh no it's all tube yeah it's all analog but what what's controlling the circuit is the midi that control feature so it's basically just turning things on and off. It's not like uh, there's no transistor preamps or any of that stuff. The, the gotcha. circuit itself is, is still 100% to guitar head. It's just nice. the switching part of it that's the, uh, the computer. Basically. Nice. I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm happy to hear you're using, um, still using like all tube, live rigs, all analog. So many bands nowadays are going to um, all the modeled stuff. Like that, that Kemper profiling amps are so big right now. Yep, that's true, man. That's true. They're popular. And there's a lot of stuff out there now. It's changed, you know. The the landscape's changed, you know. But I don't know. There's still nothing like the response of a of a real tube head, you know. I I did a uh, I've played through a lot of that stuff, and I don't know. I just there's something about the response, the immediate pick attack response, you know, of yep. a, of an actual tube head that's that it's hard to beat. I, I'm so with you on that. I just got my first tube amp ever as a guitar player. I've been, I've been a bass player all my life, so I've always done solid state. And for bass, I'm still a solid state fan. That's a whole other story. But um, finally, like I sat down, I was listening to all these different like model tube amps. I'm like, these sound good, but it's just like there's something missing. So I sat down right. at my, my local Muke store, tried out just a small little four watt Vox, and I'm like, that's what's missing. Like it has that bell like 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 high end to it. It's just so clear. I'm like, man, you you can't get that digitally, you know? Yeah, yeah, and so there's companies like Marshall's making a 20-watt hand-wired point-to-point tube amp that you can crank it all the way up and get that tone that you would get from trying to melt everybody's ears with a 100-watt stack on 10. Yeah. Except you don't have to be that loud because it's only 20 watts. So yeah, it's just a whole different approach, you know? It's a brave yeah. new world. I love it. Yeah, me too. I'm loving the, the low-wattage approach, like you said there. Like that's, I think that, that's, that's the next um, big thing here. Definitely. So, how about guitars? What, what kind of guitars are you playing live? Uh, on this tour, I've got uh, some SGs out with me, some 24 fret uh, SG Gibson SGs and EMG pickups, sounding great. Nice. Now, are anything special about the SGs, like a standard model, custom model, any custom tweaks you've done? Uh, 
always set them up my own way as soon as I get them. But, I mean, my main one I had for years is an SG-1. It's a single pickup, 24-fret SG. They, they made them for, like, a few years in the 90s. They're really cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a little harder to find now. Yeah, they're cool. But uh, the one that I'm playing now, the main one, is a 60s tribute. It's a newer one. It's brand new, actually. You can get them, like, at Guitar Center or whatever, but... It's uh, it's like a flat black color. It's got the crown inlays, 24 frets as well, which is kind of something I really have to have. And then uh, it's got a couple. I took the tone knobs out of it. I don't like tone knobs; it's just kind of getting my way. So I took those out and just two volumes and a switch, a pair of EMGs. Uh, that's base. Nice. Kind of Home Depot strap locks I put on that thing, and also got a hip shot. We do some drop detuning, so. Uh, Rex and I both use the hip shot extenders on our lip. I were able to drop, you know, from one song to the next without having to switch bases or any of that stuff with guitars. You're probably, really the, you're probably the first guitar player I've I've ever talked to who's used a hip shot and even knew what they were. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I love them. They're really handy, man. Yeah. Cool. So, obviously then, with the um, the Gibson and the hip shot, you're definitely not using any sort of trims on that. That's just stock, like, tunematic bridges then. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, would, I wouldn't mind one day getting, a, getting you know, a Floyd on an SG just to see what that might be like. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I'm kind of, when I moved to Los Angeles, I had a guitar with Floyd Rose and... You know, I don't know, in Hollywood, people kind of look at you funny if you have Floyd Rose. So you kind of need to be playing a Fender or a Gibson to get any kind of respect out of people. And so, uh, yeah, I switched and started playing SGs back then and kind of grew on me. At first, I was a little uncomfortable with them, you know, because I was used to something else. The more I started digging into them, the more comfortable I got with them. And now it's like putting on an old pair of jeans. That's killer, man. That's killer. What about um, like, what about effects? Any any special effects or are you just straight into the amp? I got a big old pedal board I'm messing around with still. And I got, you know, I just got this deal going with Carl Martin Effects. They make some really cool stuff. I got a compressor and a chorus, stereo chorus out of them. And a uh, really cool company, cool people over there and high-end stuff. Uh, I've got, you know, typical. I got a whammy pedal, wah pedal, uh, phase shifter, and some other stuff. You know, nothing really too off crazy. And then of course I got the floorboard to switch those ahead, so it's it could be kind of a kind of a dancing act up there for me if I don't you know I gotta watch what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. So like with the pedal board is um like you, your crunch sound is that all head driven or do you have like any any overdrive pedals or fuzz pedals that you use to augment it nah, a little? It's all in the head. It's nice. all in the head. There's more gain in the head than I even need. Truthfully. I got to back it off. There's so much there. You wow. Know? I mean, that thing is hairy as it gets, like Bigfoot. You know, things just get as hairy as it gets. But I don't, you know, I just don't need that much. This band is, I don't know. I mean, like, playing with Vinny and Rex, it's just more of a, you know, classic. It's almost like a classic guitar, classic rock style guitar tone. than a, And there's different levels, you know what I mean? Like, for the solos, there's more gain. For, you know, the rhythms, there's less. And, yeah, you know, there's different channels for that stuff too, but uh, but yeah, the angle's got more than I need as far as gain's concerned. So I don't have any need of a of an overdrive pedal or anything like that. That's killer. I'm gonna have to check one of those amps out because I'm really intrigued by like the MIDI switching, but still keeping all the analog circuitry. It's really cool, man. I mean, like it's got two effects loops. So if like you want your clean sound to have a certain chain of effects on it, and then your dirty sound to have a different chain of effects on it, you could just run the whole different chain in either loop and then switch the loop from one channel to the next. 
really cool. That is killer, man. That's killer. So how about the uh, the actual live show? Like what, um, I don't know, can you share anything that's in the set list? What kind of songs are you going to be bringing out this tour? Uh, well, we're playing a lot of stuff off the new record. Splitting it about half and half up the middle. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, straight ahead, just knocking it out. Having a lot of fun with the new stuff. I mean, honestly, we didn't really get a chance to play those songs in their entirety before the record was before the record was done. A lot of it was written in the studio, and we had just basically hammered out the structures of the songs in rehearsal. And um, so, you know, we were playing them basically for the first time, you know, with vocals and everything all together at once. I had overlaid the guitar, you know, the solos and stuff, and it never had to transition in and out of them or any of that stuff. So it's really, it's fun, man. I mean, we're having a really good time, you know, playing them for the first time. They're fresh, you know? So it's exciting. That's cool. That's real cool. So who, who, um, who are you going on tour with this time, or who's on tour with you? Right now we've got a band called Blackwater Rising that's opening for us. They're an East Coast band, really cool, heavy band, you know, fucking amazing band, actually. I love those guys. They're super cool. Got some really good songs, and they're riding on the bus with us. We've also got a band called I Set to Kill that's on the bill, and, uh, you know, they've, they've got a couple records. I'm, I'm not exactly sure how many records they have out. Check the stuff out on YouTube, though, and it was really strong, and cool band and then there's another band that's gonna be joining us coming up here called Girl on Fire and I haven't had a check, chance to check them out but everybody tells me they're great so I'm looking forward to it nice nice and then you said this this tour is gonna wrap up kind of before the holidays and then um, in January you're gonna, you're gonna come out strong again yeah that's the plan basically uh, we're gonna play up to Thanksgiving and you know do the holiday shuffle then get back out in January and see if we can't you know I think we're gonna we're gonna have a busy year next year. That seems to be the game plan. Absolutely, be good to see you guys in some festivals. Yeah, yeah, we'll be looking forward to booking some of those. All right, well, Mark, I want to thank you for coming on the show, taking time out of your tour schedule here. Thanks so much. Pleasure's all mine, Aaron. Thanks for having me. All right, I'd like to thank Mark for taking the time to talk to us. Kill Devil Hill recently finished up their current tour, but they will be back out on the road next year, so make sure you check them out. Up next, from the band Forearm, we have drummer Michael Vathiotis. I recently had the chance to catch Forearm opening up for Slayer, and that was an intense show. Forearm hails from Melbourne, Australia, and if you're a fan of the Bay Area thrash sound, definitely check these guys out. Before we get to the interview, though, here from their album Submission for Liberty is the track Raise a Fist.
Hey, ladies and gentlemen, with us today we have Michael Vathiotis from the band Forearm. How are you doing today, Michael? Very well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for coming on the show to talk to us. Um, start out, uh, you know, for some of our listeners who aren't familiar with you guys, can you give us a little brief history of how you guys uh, how you guys formed? Yeah, uh, we've been around for, for a while now. Uh, formed in about 2005. We've got about uh, three albums out currently. Um, just recently started breaking into the international international market for our last record, which has been good. And, uh, yeah, if, if, if you want to sort of, I don't know, pinpoint what sort of style we are, we're, we're pretty much thrash metal with the Bay Area sound. Right. Yeah, yeah, listening to you guys, your albums, I mean, it really brings me back to, like, the old Slayer albums and, you know, everything, you know, Exodus and whatnot coming from the Bay Area and... and um, yeah. It's you know hard hitting stuff and, and love it. Um, the scene in Australia, how I mean, what was it like trying to break out of Australia? Yeah, it's tough, man. It's it's, it's tough to get to get known outside the realms of, of Australia. So we've we've sort of made it in the last two years a, a conscious decision to just focus on that, right? And sort of set our goals to getting to getting out because we know that there's a bigger market in places like obviously the US and and Europe. Um, the, the scene is such as it's pretty underground, uh-huh. I'd say, back at home. So yeah, you, you've got to really work work pretty hard to sort of get that exposure. All right, now currently you're on tour with uh, Slayer and Gojira. How's that tour going? Oh, it's, it's been awesome so far, man. Uh, yeah, dream come true, so to speak, for, for all of us. I'll speak on behalf of the rest of the band. Um, it's, been, it's been good. Everyone's looked after us. We've had no nothing go wrong so far. Besides the RV that we're currently uh, driving around in, yeah, we've had a few issues with that, but you know, right, right. we're here. Yeah. Um, how has the audience has been reacting, you guys? Because you know, sometimes Slayer audiences can be kind of tough to uh, win over sometimes. Yeah, yeah, you're right, man. Um, it, well, the response has been great. Uh, same as with the Testament tour we did earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've noticed that like they come early, like a lot of the fans come early, whether they heard us before or they, they haven't heard us before you know the, the, the place is almost almost full when we're on and that that's something that you don't really see right back home everyone sort of waits for the headliner and if they do rock up they're at the bar just hanging around or in the car park or something like that so yeah the, the response has been great we've, we've you know we've seen circle pits we've even seen a, seen a, seen a crowd surf the other day <laughs> which is like yeah that's funny <laughs> out a little yeah it's good it's good to see um no, you guys, you guys have toured Europe also too, right? Yeah, we did the festival season uh, this year. Okay. And we, we and uh, the American audiences, yeah. how do those compare to like you know the stuff you would see in Europe and in Australia or whatnot? I, I think they're a lot crazier here in the US. <laughs> I, I actually thought the the Europeans would be a bit more more hardcore and a bit more you know right running around and doing things. But yeah, the, the Americans, man, they're yeah, they're pretty nuts, <laughs> which is cool. Which is cool because when 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 you're up on stage and you see the crowd getting involved like that, it pl- makes you play better. Right. I'm sure a lot of a lot of bands will say that once you or you're on stage and you see that you play better. So I'm all for that. And uh, you know, is there any cities you're looking forward to coming playing then on uh, this tour? Sorry, what was that? Any cities you're uh, particularly looking forward to on this on this uh, current tour? Uh, not particularly. I, I do like the smaller cities actually, when, right. when it's sort of more the crowd are more intimate, more more in your face uh, and stuff like that. And they also they come up and say 
say hello and stuff like that in the street, outside the venue and stuff. We get, get to talk a lot more than, than, than the other shows, like uh, in LA and stuff like that. So, yeah, but all, all, all shows are good. You I mean, you're touring with Slayer. Right, right. You're not going to complain wherever you play. And how big of an influence was Slayer on you guys? You guys, you know, mentioned you were a big fan. So can you talk a little bit about, like, all your influences and uh, what influences Forearm? Yeah, definitely Slayer is, is on the top of the list. Uh, it, it shows through our sound mm-hmm. and all that. Um, but, yeah, the, the Bay Area bands, I mean, I was a kid growing up. I think my first time I listened to metal was, was when I was 13 years old. Some guy handed me a... A track it was Metallica, and, and I was like, "Wow, you know, that, that blew my mind." Right. I was like, throughout all the other crappy CDs and, and music I was listening to, and it was just like from then on it became thrash metal. I'm kind of attracted to that that energy, like you spoke about. That's what we do. It just it's from go to woe. It's it's just high intensity. All right. Um, now your album uh, Submissions of Liberty has been out for about two years now um, and it, it's a great album it's really in your face I, I, I've been listening to it uh, a lot recently and I, uh, uh, is there plans for the follow up? Definitely man yeah we've, we've written pretty much every track that we want on the album just have a few vocals and lead stuff that we want to add to that so it's just around the corner we're looking at an early release next year just a matter of finishing up the tour that we're on at the moment and then right. getting into a studio and you, making it happen. Do you do most of your writing on the road? I mean, have you guys been touring nonstop since this album came up? Because I know a lot of bands you know, will release an album and just tour constantly without taking a break. Yeah, well, we, we had this layer tour early on in the year, so we said while we had a bit of a break before Europe and then after Europe, mm-hmm. we did a lot of writing. Because we knew, for us, it's a bit hard to write on the road. We don't have much space and, and that right. kind of thing. And so, yeah, we, we did a lot of the writing earlier and so we'll just put it away and, and, and we'll get back to it after the tour. But I see, like, like for instance, Gaugeur, they're, they're on the road and they, they're always writing and just making, you know, making music, mm-hmm. you know, which I suppose they have the luxury of, you know, the big bus and all that sort of equipment and stuff. Right, right. Um do, uh, so you don't want to be like any new tunes you'd be premiering on the road this tour as like a teaser at all or we we, we have yeah we've been we've been playing one of the tracks okay uh, that will, will be on the album um, and that's been going down well it's uh, yeah crowd pleaser that's for sure <laughs> and the writing process is it like collaborative or does you know you know one person I, come with an yeah. idea or it's been basically myself and Danny the, the vocalist, guitarist. Right. We do all, we do all the writing. So we get together at his house and just go through, go through tracks and all that. We used to have a different way where I would come up with a lot of beats first, mm-hmm. and then he'd put guitars over it. It's a bit, bit unorthodox kind of method, but you know it seemed to work for the first two albums. Then on the third, we sort of mixed it up a bit. He did most of the guitar work first, and then I laid down the drums. But yeah, we seem to have that work. To, you know, a, a good sort of um, way of writing things together and don't really bring the other two into right. it. No, it sounds a little selfish and greedy, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, work. that is kind of backwards. Usually, you know, you'd come up with a riff, but coming up with the drums first actually seems like a real interesting way of going about it. Yeah. Um, I'm sort of about the, about the groove, so, you know. Right. If you can get a good groove and a good beat going, you know, 
can, 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 you can do something that people are going to, you know, bang their heads to and, and enjoy. So then, you know, just to recap, you're finishing up this tour, then you're going to go right into the studio, or are you going to take a break, or is there any more uh, tours planned after this? Yeah. I'd say just probably take a few weeks off. It's going to be hard because Christmas will be coming up, but I right. suppose a couple of guys, you know, spend time with the family, and, and then, yeah, we'll hit it hard again. Cool, cool. Well, I, uh, I want to, you know, take, you know, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Um, you know, it's a pleasure talking yeah, to you, problem, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys here in Pittsburgh. Um, and I know that show is coming up in a couple of weeks, so uh, hope to see you yeah, there, man. and uh, good luck with the rest All of the tour. See you there for a beer, man. Definitely. Thank you. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> All right, again, I'd like to thank Michael for taking the time to talk to us. Forearm is currently out on tour with Gojira and Slayer. However, that tour is wrapping up soon. Hopefully, we'll be seeing a lot more of Forearm in the near future. That concludes episode 222, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. Please feel free to drop us a line at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. You can also check us out on our social media sites, facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks, twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks, and instagram.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Please also check out our website, ironcityrocks.com. Iron City Rocks is part of the Cast Iron Ring network of podcasts, so also check out the other shows in our network at castironring.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>